All right, guys, this episode I have been looking forward to for quite some time. I've really, really been wanting to talk about this movie, and we're finally doing it. Um, yeah. Before we get into it, we're The Real Couple. I'm Dallas. And I'm Paige. And we're The Real Couple. Uh, Paige, what movie are we talking about today? James Cameron's Avatar. James Cameron's freaking Avatar. Okay, this movie is one of those things. It gets such a bad rap just because it was too successful. Like, people hate on this movie just because it beat their favorite movies. And I think it's so freaking tragic because i think it's truly such a heavy hitter of a movie in so many ways and like so the timeline of how i remember this going when did avatar first come up on your radar i think probably when it came out Just, yeah when it came i out. don't really remember i don't think i saw it in theaters okay i think i saw it Later? I honestly don't really remember. Okay. You saw it before you and I got together. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, so for me, the first time I ever heard anything about Avatar was... Uh, oh, I just remembered. I thought it wasn't until I went to the Comic-Con panel, the San Diego Comic-Con panel, Summer of 09. That's not true. That Comic-Con... All of the, like, posters in downtown Salt, San Diego were all the half of Natiri's face. Oh. And so as you're arriving at Comic-Con that year, you're passing all these signs. The Like, the only other movie that I can remember just, like, seeing that image and being like, whoa, this could be cool, was the half of Iron Man's face, mm -hmm. like, the year before. Um but yeah, so I remember we went to that Comic-Con panel and James Cameron came out and... Wait, James Cameron was there? Of course. You've been in the same room with James Cameron? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh. um, I'm pretty sure... Spoiler alert. He's the one that I want to meet on today's episode. Really? Yes. Oof. Um. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm pretty sure Zoe Saldana and Sam Worthington, Sigourney Weaver. I'm pretty sure uh, all of them would have been there. Uh, the general guy, um, something, I think his last name is Lee um, or Lang, Stephen Lang. Yeah, good job. Um, I only know that because there were rumors he could be playing uh, Cable in Deadpool 2. And I was really on board with that. But then I went to J Josh Brolin and he killed it. So, um but anyways, yeah, so I went to the panel, and James Cameron's like, hey, I'm working on this new movie, and we brought some footage, and they showed, like, four or five scenes. I want to say the footage was, like, 15 minutes long or something, but oh my gosh, by the time it ended, it was like, whoa, this is ambitious, like, this isn't taking place on Earth. It's not one of those sci-fi movies that's like, um, there was a... a I think Bruce Willis was in a movie called like symbiotes or something like that. But, uh, it was like people control like robotic clones of themselves. And so it was like, Oh, could it be that kind of thing? No, it's nothing like that. There's going to be aliens. It's on a distant planet. It, there's a bunch of like foliage and like, it's very, some scenes are very like militaristic in a big 
sci-fi army base thing and other scenes are like out in the wild and by the end of that panel i was like bro that new avatar movie is gonna be tight and we kept seeing the trailers for it looked really really cool and then my dad and i went to the midnight showing which avatar like even the theatrical version is a long movie so seeing that at midnight it wasn't quite seeing lord of the rings at midnight but it was a long fucking movie and i remember going to school the next day and being like bro the new avatar movie is great and they're like oh yeah you think it's gonna be good too yeah i'm looking forward to it and i was like oh i don't think it's gonna be good i've already seen it and they're like i it doesn't come out until today and i'm like yeah it's been today since midnight. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's been today long enough for me to have seen it. So, suck a dick. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I was just running around loving it. And then, lo and behold, the movie did well. Like, this movie no one had heard of. It wasn't a sequel to anything. It wasn't the new Fast and the Furious movie. It wasn't the new, you know, comic book movie that, you know, people have been following this character for years. It's a brand new concept, and it really did well at the box office. And I remember, you know, when I first saw it, it was IMAX 3D, and then I went and saw it IMAX 2D, and then I went and saw it, like, normal, just, you know, a normal theater screen. And every time it was like this is not nearly as good as IMAX 3D. That was, that was such a freaking spectacle. Um, but all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, it, maybe it was even a couple days later, people just started harping on the fact that it was very similar to other movies. And yeah, as soon as it was pointed out to me, I was like, okay, yeah. Like as soon as you say dances with wolves at that point, I had never seen dances with wolves today i still haven't seen dance with wolves whatever but they also said pocahontas and i was like yeah i can totally see that as well and then people would also say uh fern gully and i was like yeah that's totally true but then people would follow it up with and therefore avatar sucks and i was like that last leap in logic you made that's where you lost me like it being similar to other things i can agree with that being enough to make it a bad movie i what but like how many original stories are really out there like so many movies that we see now are just retellings of other things yeah why is it that avatar is getting the short end of the stick on this yeah and i think it really is one of those things where it was just too successful to people for people to let it be which is so dumb because this movie is fucking beautiful it's in every way and it's brilliantly executed there are so many i i think people just bitch about it so that they can feel like they're make them feel cool i i think yeah i think it's like if i talk down about the highest grossing movie of all time that means i'm too cool to like the highest grossing movie of all time uh, whatever dickhead that doesn't make you cool if i just go around and be like hey the mona lisa sucks hey everybody mona lisa it's a piece of garbage sistine chapel also a piece of shit no one should ever like great pieces of art i'm too cool to like da vinci's shit no everyone's gonna be like okay dallas shut up because clearly you don't know what makes those paintings great and then eventually i that would sink in and i'd be like oh yeah I sound really naive right now. But for some reason, Avatar haters have just been allowed to run rampant for over a decade now, bitching about a feat in 
cinematic movie making that they'll never be able to achieve. No one other than James Cameron, pretty much. Like you've got James Cameron, uh, maybe Peter Jackson, uh, George Lucas needs to be on that list. Uh, at this point, Christopher Nolan, who else? I can't think like, of... Like, just big deal directors? Yeah. Like, just Tarantino? people who can make a spectacle movie. Oh, okay. I wouldn't put Tarantino Tarantino's not a spectacle. spectacle. No, no, uh, no. Dialogue? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, big uh, name? Uh, yes. I can but... never remember how to pronounce his name. I think it's Dennis Villanueva or something, but The guy Dune, that did Dune? Yeah. He can do a spectacle movie as well. Outside of those guys, if you're bitching about Avatar, you're, you're pretty much looking at the Eiffel Tower and being like... <laughs> I could do better. No, you can't. I've seen this one in Vegas. Sure, people have built structures that go straight up before, but the Eiffel Tower did it in a really nice way. You're never going to outdo that. Especially not you. Freaking Stan, the dickhead that sat next to me in math class in eighth grade. Shut up. You're no (laughs) one. Like, take all of your opinions, swallow them, never share them with anyone ever again, and the world will be just fine. Like, shut up. So, yeah. If you can't tell by now, we are Avatar lovers. We love Avatar so much. Um, Also, we're recording this two hours and 45 minutes before our showing of Avatar 2. Yeah. So as as we were getting ready for this, Paige was all like, you're going to ramble about this movie so much. And I was like, no. Like, I know we have a movie to get to, so I'm going to, you know, we're going to get through quick. I'm going to uh, keep myself on a pretty short leash. And now that That's I'm talking. That's why he's talking I'm, so I'm fast. I'm realizing how right you are. I can ramble about this fucker. You're talking Gilmore Girls. Okay. Quickness. Yeah. I'm, I'm practically an Amy Sherman Palladino. Uh, character i'm so proud you got it right Right? oh my gosh um (laughs) yeah note to the fellas if your girl likes gilmore girls one way to score points with her memorize amy sherman paladino's name like the way Paige just looked at me oof i'm i'm a lucky man um but anyways (laughs) i digress um so yeah i love avatar uh uh, I, yeah, so over the years, it just got so much love financially that people felt it necessary, that it deserved a bunch of hate verbally. And I think that's so unfair to it. And over the years, I've come up with more and more arguments against it. I mean, you know, two... I think a lot of the haters mm-hmm. are people who haven't put in the effort to learn how the movie was made. Yeah. yeah. Just a few things. They made a fucking language. Yeah, they created from a scratch. language. Mm-hmm. Uh, they figured out how to render blue skin, which we have learned from Corridor Crew, is incredibly difficult very, to do. Very, very difficult. Yeah, there are several that uh, and making of Crew. like large human figures mm-hmm. because you can't just like stretch a human body and it would just look weird. They figured it out. Yeah, like. It's so, and not only that, but he created a world. Like Pandora is beautiful in every way. And there was very little that I feel like James Cameron just sort of went to different departments and said, you guys design things, go off and bring me the finished product. He was involved in the creation of so many things to the point where we were watching a lot of the special features and they're talking about um, the... The birds that they the fly banshees. around. The banshees. And uh, 
there were things where they Didn't would it take them like two years. It took so long to design those things. And at some point, one of the developers was talking to James Cameron and he mentioned like, we'll make sure that you're, you know, that bone that's right there in the mouth, that bone is critical. And so whatever you're doing with this tendon, it has to connect to that bone. And the guy suddenly had this moment of like, holy shit, James Cameron meticulously knows the bone structure of this thing. So if I'm trying to make changes or uh, like if I'm trying to design the saddle for these birds or something, James Cameron will know if it's going to sit on this animal uh, uncomfortably. Like, well, and he like knows... scientifically, like he made sure that those birds, the physics of those birds worked yeah, so that they, they could actually fly. Yeah, they kept so that they about could those secondary like, wings. Yeah, so that they, they could take off like from the oh side of a mountain, gosh, you know? Yeah. And and the they gave them longer fingers in order to, to make like clay latching latch onto, on that's the word. Yeah. Um they could like land like a bat ups or they could hang like a bat upside down or they could hang off a cliff in a different way. And yeah, and then they were talking about how once they put the secondary wings on them and then they started pretty much rendering the the uh simulations that's when they found out how those secondary wings would um perform the flight yeah yeah like do they just do all four wings flap in unison and they very quickly realized no it would be like a one flaps and then the secondary wings like echo it mm-hmm. like they they flap a second later so much of that it wasn't even like they had their vision and they were like, and it must happen this way. They would pretty much have an idea, throw it out there and then figure out if it works. And mm-hmm. they let phys- they worked side by side with physics. Like, it- well, and it wasn't even just that team either. Like the team that they brought in to make the aircraft. Yeah. Like it was actual pilots mm-hmm. and people who make aircraft in the real world. Yeah. So that every button that was, placed in that you know movie set yeah, piece like maybe you can't just build the helicopter there's two different uh, versions i know one of them is called a scorpion the other is something else um but maybe you couldn't just straight up build one today and have it work perfectly but they at least wanted you know helicopter engineers to be able to come in look at these fictitious vehicles and be like wow these guys thought through their stuff that yeah, I could see. Okay, yeah, well, maybe it's, like, it's not completely. Those aircraft realistic. are believable. Yeah, they're very believable. Like it's not, and I'm not a Star Wars hater in any way. Right, but right, like, right. there are a lot of aircraft in Star Wars that it's like that would never work. Like, yeah. how the fuck does the Millennium Falcon fly? Like yeah. that thing is clunky. The Mando you, ship is clunky. How do you clunky. park the Millennium like, Falcon with your cockpit all the way off to the side? Yeah, like there's no way. It's a great looking ship. It's iconic as hell. It the the role it plays in its story is phenomenal. But it's a story that doesn't require mm-hmm. a thorough knowledge. We're never and going to, to see a functional Millennium Falcon. No, no. It's not a big stretch of the imagination to see the aircraft that they used in yeah. Avatar. Yeah. Um. And a lot about Star Wars, because 
it's it's a universe where a lot of events in the Star Wars universe are executed due to magic that's mm-hmm. referred to by a different name being the force. The force, right. There are other universes where they do not uh, accept the concept of magic. And so they have to work a lot closer to physics. Yeah. And uh, so that's one thing that I I haven't dove nearly as deep into Star Trek as I should have by this point in my life. But I do like the fact that it, from an outsider's perspective for the most part, it seems like Star Trek thinks through the science of space travel a it's lot a little more, more than grounded in reality. Does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Star Wars, it doesn't matter if uh, the physics of space travel and stuff don't really work because that's not the story Star Wars is trying to yeah. tell. Um, you know, there's no sound in space. And so if you're going into a Star Wars movie and you're going to start complaining because the explosions make noise in space when there shouldn't be sound, you're watching the wrong movie, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're going into Avatar being like, if the aircraft don't work, I'm going to rip this thing to shreds. Uh, you're in the wrong you movie, have bro. No like, ground to they, stand they on did their research. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I love that aspect of this movie. I love the score. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, that is one thing. I'm sure he's unaware of this, but I, one of the first CDs I bought myself was the Avatar score. And at some point I was driving around with my dad and I brought my new Avatar CD with me and I, we started playing it. And then at some point, like, we get home and I go inside, but I didn't take my CD with me and he lost my avatar CD. Oh no. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so like, it's, it's a score that I really, really adore. And I always kind of harbored this like, son of a bitch lost my fucking CD. But uh, now we have Spotify and I think I finally bought it on iTunes. So, you know, all is well, all is well, but don't lose my CDs, dad. But uh, yeah, so um, there are so many aspects of Avatar that make it so much more than Pocahontas Dance with Wolves for Ngulli. What it did for filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've talked about this with James Cameron Mm -hmm, before, mm -hmm. after T2, and what T2 did for filmmaking. Like, Avatar was that next level. Yeah. I mean, what. Maybe not for filmmaking as a whole, but what The Abyss did for Terminator 2 and yeah. what Terminator 2 did for the world. Like, yeah. um, I, I feel like The Abyss really just benefited T2. Right. And then T2 was the thing that made everyone go, oh, we're capable of that now? Holy shit. Um, and then T2 inspired Peter Jackson with Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then Two Gollum Towers inspired... <laughs> inspired avatar um and so yeah i love what's next peter jackson right um yeah up your game jackson uh so another thing that we haven't really touched on yet is motion capture the the beautiful face mounted camera that they came up with for avatar is now a very widely used piece of technology for that's how they did all of um all of the apes in yeah the apes trilogy um which 
yeah, Planet of the Apes trilogy, definitely. At this point, most video game cutscenes. Oh, really? I, yeah. I didn't I'm, know that. Yeah, I'm sure they, a lot of them use it. If if not, then the uh, leaps and bounds James Cameron made just for motion capture stages. Yeah. Really. I'm stoked to see what he does with underwater mocap yeah. in Way of Water. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier tonight. I love the fact that with finally being able to make Avatar 2, obviously he's going to want to, you know, make the image just that much more crispy. You know, how many more pores can we render and stuff? But he still had that, like, goal of, okay, I get to make Avatar 2, but ha what's the new thing that I can do to make this the hardest endeavor I've ever undertaken? He goes underwater. I know, a 90,000 gallon tank. Yeah, and for the most part, and we were we talked about this earlier as well, at this point, I'm not hearing nearly as many oh, horror 900, stories. Oh, 900,000 gallon. 900,000. I cannot get that number right tonight. Yeah. It's a big number. It's a lot of gallons. It's more gallons than you've ever it's drunk. It's a nine and a lot of zeros. Yeah. Um, yeah, from what I'm hearing, I am i haven't heard about too many horror stories on this set. Like Poor if, Kate Winslet. Yeah, if you I wonder do if she's just like, Titanic, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. Kate Winslet broke the record for this movie for longest breath held on camera. Yeah, couldn't she hold her breath for like seven minutes? Something like seven minutes. Before this, it was uh, Tom Cruise said it for Mission Impossible, I think five. So that would be Rogue Nation. Um, but Kate Winslet apparently beat that by like 30 seconds or something. It's insane. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh. The I stuff she wait. had to go through on the set of Titanic, like. Yeah, I'm shocked. Wait, she... is she in Avatar 2? Yeah. What? She broke the record for longest breath held for Avatar 2. I thought 2. that was on... Oh! No! She, how would she have broken a record I don't know. that Shut Tom up. Cruise it's didn't fine. break? It's fine. I clearly didn't listen. Like three years ago. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, Rogue Nation's older than that. I did not... I did not realize Kate Winslet was in Avatar 2. Yeah. I didn't think she would work with James Cameron ever again. Yeah, like, not only... After she, he almost killed her on Titanic? Not only is she working with him again, she's working with him again... On his next water-based movie. What? Who does what? she play? I don't know yet. I don't know. I've only watched the first trailer for this movie. I'm is so she excited. in it? What? I don't think so. Is she, she like an avatar or is she... She's definitely a Navi. Oh, yeah, because the underwater. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know if she's in the, the later trailers or anything, but yeah. Um, so I'm so excited for that. Um, okay, uh, so with the first Avatar, yeah, um, I remember after it came out, there was, like, all of this merchandise that came out and stuff, but I, I bought a shirt at Target, like, two days before the movie came out, and they had, like, three designs, and after the movie came out, and I realized I loved this thing, I went back to Target, tried to get more, they were all out, and so I had one Avatar shirt for years, and then I gained weight like an idiot, and now I can't wear it anymore, and I hate it. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, getting back to idiots who bash on this movie. Over the years, I've had more and more like comebacks, just like 
in my back pocket. And whenever people are like, it's just Dances with Wolves, and it's just Fern Gully, and it, well, no, most people just say Dances with Wolves and Pocahontas. Hardly anyone ever says Fern Gully. The fact that I know one more movie that it's similar to than you do means I have more reason to hate this. So the fact that I love it means you clearly need to rethink your stance, dumbass. Um, I'm so vehemently opposed to you people who don't like this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, if you think about it, like uh, Seven Samurai, one of the greatest, most renowned movies ever made by human beings. Then Magnificent Seven, one of the greatest westerns of all time. It's so much the same movie. It used the same numerical member in its title. They're the same thing. One's samurai, one's cowboy. But we're okay with it because they were both done well. Guess what else was done well? Fucking Avatar! But I digress. (laughs) Um, I wish you guys could see Dallas's manic energy right right? now. Um, So yeah, we have those two movies. Then it gets made as like kind of a parody tale. And it's called Three Amigos. Everybody loves Three Amigos because it didn't make enough money for us to realize it's just a comedy retelling of Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai. Then we get Bugs Life. Bugs Life's great. Guess what? It's just Three Amigos. But everybody loves it. Oh, well, because it's it's very different. Like, this one is all, like, bugs, and it's, you know, the the hierarchy of, of bugs and stuff. So it's very unique. It's very different. Guess what else is unique and different from those that came before? Fucking Avatar! But I digress. Um, <laughs> I think this is my favorite episode so far. Is it? Um, and as I've been watching uh, TikToks and videos this past couple weeks, um, one guy mentioned that with all of the massive undertakings that James Cameron went through for this new or for Avatar when he was making it he's rewriting the game with CGI with the motion capture and all that he's developing a a language he's he's creating all of these different aircraft he's creating all this wildlife on this planet he's creating foliage he's um you know just creating so many different things nothing about this movie is a small undertaking so then when it comes to actually like what story am i going to use maybe we use kind of a tried and tested and you know proven to be successful story maybe don't reinvent the wheel with the actual narrative of this this movie um and so i i i'm saying the exact same thing that i said about uh force awakens Disney wants to, you know, start making new uh, Star Wars movies. And so their first time out of the gate, they decide, you know what? Maybe before we try biting off more than we can chew, let's just show the audience that we can at least make a pretty good Star Wars movie by essentially just remaking Episode Four, one of the best Star Wars movies out there. If we can take that same framework of a story and execute that, our own way, but give it sort of a, an updated look and feel and everything. Maybe uh, the best move is to bring in a new audience and a new generation on a very familiar plot line. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start getting creative with our next movies. And that's when the train wreck started. <laughs> um, and I know some of our audience are probably those people that, I, in all honesty, I envy you. But those people out there who are like, actually, 
The Last Jedi is by far the greatest Star Wars movie. I disagree with you wholeheartedly, but you have a right to your opinion, I guess. Um, what number is that one? Seven. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Or no, no. Force Awakens is seven. Eight is Last Jedi. Okay. Um. So, yeah, that's the one with a horse race through a city that takes like 20 minutes. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. That's the one where uh, Luke... Um, just squeezes milk straight out of an alien's teat and drinks it oh, and then smirks yeah. at Ray. And he's like, you want some of this warm friggin' breakfast milk? Um, yeah. Gross. But then that director went on to do uh, Knives Out. So I, I don't understand the world. Um, but yeah, so Avatar, so much about it is so damn good. And... I think it really just, it, it changed the game for so many things. It absolutely did. The the scale of a movie that you could do with CGI. The I don't know if Dune would have been so grand yeah. in scale. Mm-hmm. They had to have taken yeah. at least some inspiration from what James Cameron did with Avatar. Um. And uh, another thing, um, I I saw it twice in theaters and I loved it. I haven't revisited it since yet, but you remember Alita Battle Angel? Yeah. Originally that was going to be done by James Cameron. Yeah. However, yeah. when it really started getting off the ground was right when the Avatar sequels started getting greenlit. And so Robert Rodriguez was really excited because he was like, I love this story and it's going to be done by James Cameron. I can't wait. And he, at some point, met James Cameron. He was like, dude, I hear you're doing Alita Battle Angel. I'm so excited for that. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm not doing that anymore because I'm too busy with uh, with the Avatar sequels. And he was like, oh man, I'm heartbroken. And James Cameron just straight up said, if you're that excited, do you want to helm the project? And so he let Robert Rodriguez take the reins on it. So Robert Rodriguez went ahead and directed it. James Cameron got to... Uh, be the producer on it but there were several scenes where Robert Rodriguez just couldn't figure out how to get the special effects to work for what he needed it to do mm-hmm. and so he went to James Cameron and there were apparently a few things that James Cameron was like wait what's your problem oh we actually just figured out how to do that for the Avatar sequels I know there's at least one scene underwater in Alita so some oh. of the technology that will be on full display in Avatar 2 has already been put into practice in Alita Battle Angel. I know I've said it before, but James Cameron is just a master He's, yeah. at having this vision and being able to communicate it mm-hmm. to hundreds of people. Yeah. Not only to his actors, but to his animators, to literally everybody. He is so hands-on. He... Is just, it baffles my mind that he has that ability to bring to life all of these things and to have it be so cohesive. Yeah. And to have it be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you do that to hunt? Like, I'm sure thousands of people worked on Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just. Something we were talking about with, I think it was uh, Terminator 2. It had to have been Terminator 2. But uh, he has this way of like, I see it in my head. So, 
you can bring, you know, concept art and stuff, and maybe there are a few tweaks and stuff, but I'm going to help you create in the computer what's going on in my brain because what's going on in my brain is already a great idea where I think a lot of develop or uh, directors and, and things like that just sort of have this like oh yeah I wonder what that could look like and then a bunch of people are like how about this how about that how about this how about that and then they like oh I like that design you look at uh, concept art for the first Toy Story movie Buzz looked nothing yeah, like fit, so different final product Buzz um, same with Woody. He had like the, the what is that, marionette? Like yeah. The, the, um, That's not how it is with James Cameron though. Yeah, James Cameron kind of, the finished product and what he originally envisioned is pretty close. Yeah. And he's a great artist himself. So he can just straight up like, I was envisioning it as kind of a, um, well, hold on. Like this. And then he just draws it out and shows you. And you can then go, oh, I got, okay. Well, and okay. part of the special features that we watched on Avatar said that the concept, a lot of the concept art for Avatar, James Cameron drew in like 11th grade. And that's how he won a court case because someone tried to sue him for like stealing their likeness of Mm -hmm. characters or animal. I don't remember exactly what it was. But he was like, I drew this in high school. Here you go. And that's how he won his case. Yeah. Like how many directors can say that? Yeah. Um, I, that's another thing. The more you learn about Avatar, the more you find out this has been in, in a bunch of different stages of being developed for years. So to suddenly take something that's been scrambling and floating around in your skull since you were in grade school it was like the 70s wasn't it yeah and suddenly put it all together into one almost three hour movie full three hours if you're watching the director's cut but to finally put that into a a film and show it to people and have people go no because it's too similar to something i saw before that sucks i would set the world on fire i'd be like okay give me the money for the next avatar sequel they'd be like okay here's a ludicrous amount of money and I would just destroy the planet. I'd be so mad at everyone ever. And just the the fact that he didn't lose his mind but instead went I'm still going to make sequels is magical. Thank you. Um I, yeah. Um pivoting yet again um but uh we talked about like how this is such a epic grand scale movie but Again, something we talked about earlier. I think this movie does such a great job. And like a lot of movies try for this. But this movie aims for a further away target. And hits that target better than most movies can. But movies will try to do like a big, huge like explosion. Or um, like a big building falling over or something. The moment when Home Tree falls over. That is a massive piece of matter. And when it falls, you can feel it. Like, it, mm-hmm. it feels like such a real thing. There's, a, there's emotion behind it. There's emotion. There's a momentum. There's inertia. There's, there's force. Like, when, it, when it's falling, you can just feel, like, the, the groaning of that wood. And then when it hits, you can feel the impact through the ground and you can see all there is part of it that's just like seeing 
the the byproducts of it you see the mm-hmm. the characters flying and and you know the, the ground shakes and stuff but just as it's falling there's something different about it and that i feel like corridor crew could do a whole episode on just the downfall of home tree mm-hmm. is just insane um and then when they're crashing all the ships at the end when uh jake sully's like throwing grenades into uh propellers and, yeah. and stuff like that when those ships are going down, they're they feel like big ships really crashing with impact, and and then you know there's the one that's got the huge payload of explosion explosives. When that thing goes down, it goes down hard, and then a second later, everything it was carrying detonates, and that explosion is massive. I've seen movies with with bombs going off with a mushroom cloud, and I'm like, okay, yeah. Like way way in the background, you had to draw a, a mushroom cloud, and um, you told me it was big, so I, I believed that it was big. But um, cool, and and you're saying that uh, Indiana Jones was totally fine because he was in that refrigerator. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I yeah. So um, how big was the mushroom cloud? Real big. Okay, I guess I believe you. But with Avatar, it's like, it, wait. How how big are you talking? Like when I ask these questions mentally, it's like, wait, how big is this tree? And James Cameron's like, it's so big. I believe him. Mm-hmm. Like, and then he shows it to me, and I'm like, oh, that's majestically big. That's legendarily big. And he's like, I know, and it's gonna fall. And I'm like, oh, it's not. And he's like, yeah, watch here, here it goes falling. And I'm like, oh no. And in other movies, it's like, and then the the uh, Alderaan, it uh, goes boom. Yeah. I'm like, oh damn it! It does like the whole thing. And they're like, yeah, it's all, it's all boomed. And I'm like, damn, sucks for Aldron. Right, like, like a whole planet. Yeah, like a whole <laughs> planet blows up in Star Wars, and it's just like, Meh. I think they do a better job in like Rogue One when they're blowing yeah. up parts of the planet, so mm-hmm. it's not a whole thing. It's just like this huge wave, shock wave goes through. And obviously, no life forms are gonna survive on that planet, but like. I think they do a better job there, but it's still not on the same level as Avatar. But then, uh, again, when we were talking about this earlier, something that you pointed out, and you made a great point, Dune is able to really capture that same, when huge, massive things are happening, they feel massive. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and something, we watched a video about like why Dune is great. mm -hmm. And they said, you know, there's these big grand buildings and these Mm -hmm. huge just landscapes and it's very grandiose and they also have these grounding shots where they'll show someone picking up sand and letting it fall through their fingers or letting a a beetle crawl up their arm so it's very tactile yeah there's a a moment when we see uh um Oscar Isaac kind of like wiping dirt and leaves off of a gravestone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just that sort of thing where when it I'm just brings that, you back and it grounds you because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's familiar to me as a viewer. Exactly. I have felt I've leaves. Sand I've touched I've, sand. I've let a ladybug crawl on yeah, me. I, I've stood in the rain before. So like if I were standing on this planet, I would feel rain hitting, you know, the the shoulders of my shirt and maybe dropping into my hair. And okay, yeah, I've I've and experienced I think that's that before. Part so I of can why, put myself onto this planet. Mentally. I think that's part of why Avatar also works, because you do. Yes, you have those huge trees and 
you know, these things that you've never seen before. But, you know, when the tree is falling, you see them covered in ash. Mm-hmm. You've felt ash before. Yeah. You've, you know, gone hiking. You've, you know, gone over roots. And, you know, there's there's that familiarity of like, oh, obviously I've never been on Pandora, but I can still feel the same things. I can be grounded in this world and I can appreciate how grand it is. Another thing that is such a small moment and like in the when you're looking at the whole movie, it's so far from one of the most exciting moments of the movie, but it's all in the facial expression of a character and I love it and I've seen it just off the top of my head, I feel like I've seen it in one other movie and it's done almost just as well. When Jake first gets outside in his avatar and he starts running, mm-hmm. he has that moment where he, you know, he's moving around. He's like, oh man, this is cool. But then he lets loose and just breaks into a dead sprint. And you see him glance down and realize I have legs that are capable of this again. Mm-hmm. And he pushes himself even harder. And you see that look in his face. That's like having a body that's just capable of the basics. When you haven't had that in a long time is amazing. And that's something that like, I've never been paraplegic or anything. I've never been paralyzed in any way. But seeing him just have that, like, I can run is like, damn, I take running for granted. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to just run right now, totally could. Like, yeah. Yeah. And to him, that's a superpower, practically. The only other movie I can think of that does that same type of thing right after Captain America gets the super soldier serum in the first movie. And he has to chase down the guy that stole the yeah. super soldier serum mm-hmm. he gets out onto the street dude gets in a car and drives off and captain america just starts full tilt running after the car and he glances down at his feet and just kind of goes i think i'm keeping pace with a car mm-hmm. whoa let's go and he he goes and yeah that that feeling it's not quite the same like tactile, grounded, like I can relate sort of response. But there is that moment where as an audience member, I look at Captain America and I look at Jake Sully and I'm like. There I, was a grounding moment with that with Jake, though, because after he like skids to a halt, it shows a shot of his feet with mm-hmm. the dirt like falling over them and him just like. Yeah, like, like running his toes. Feeling through, yeah. the earth. And I think. Part of that also is, like, the general had been promising him, like, oh, if you do this, you'll get your legs back. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, why would I want these, like, scrawny mm-hmm. legs back when I have these blue legs that are <laughs> yeah. long and strong? <laughs> and strong, yeah. And that's another thing. Uh, later in the movie, once he meets Natiri and he uh, gets taken into the tribe and, and starts really going at it, you can feel, like he's been spending a lot of time in his avatar body. And he, there's a a moment where you see him like running across tree branches and stuff. And you hear his monologue in the background 
and he says something along the lines of, um, my feet are getting tougher and my legs are getting stronger and I can run farther and farther every day. And just that moment of like, he's, he's putting in the effort, but he can visibly see mm-hmm. the blatant improvements in himself. I, that's another thing that, um, there have been so many times in my life when I, I want to, you know, learn a new skill or something. And so I, I work really, really hard at it. And at some point I am looking at the people next to me and I'm like, Oh man, I'm still nowhere near as good as they are. But then I look back on where I was a month ago, six months ago, whenever. And it's like, Oh, I have made vast improvements. I remember I took a ceramics class in high school and looking at the pots and stuff I was able to do on the potter's wheel at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, I didn't get phenomenally good when compared to other uh, clay workers. But looking at what I did at the beginning and what I did at the end, I got so much better. And so, yeah, there was that moment when Jake Silly's like, I can see myself improving. And I'm like... Uh, not in that exact aspect of life, but I've felt that feeling before. Mm-hmm. When you see your own improvements, that's a really great feeling. Good for you, Jake Sully. Um, yeah. Uh, one one scene from this movie that I would just be heartbroken if we didn't mention. Uh, when Jake gets separated from Sigourney Weaver and um, the, the other scientists and stuff, and he's in the forest, and he... Uh, you know, whittles a little spear thing and he um, lights the, the honey, honey stick on fire, which <laughs> I mentioned, like, that's the one part of the movie that I'm like, how the hell does he know that the honey is flammable? Like, the concept that James Cameron's like, on this planet, the honey has some uh, um, ingredient in it that makes it pretty fl- flammable. I can totally get behind that. I cannot get behind the fact that Jake Sully knows about it because the concept that they like go out there and Grace is like, yeah, so uh, there's all these different indigenous species on this planet of Pandora. Um, Also, just FYI, the honey's flammable. There's no way that came up in conversation. It was in the manual. Okay. Um, But uh, so, yeah, he he lights a torch and that helps him uh, get the little coyote things away. And he fights him off. Then Natiri comes and saves him. And she immediately, as soon as they get fought off and they uh, wander back into the jungle, she grabs his torch and throws it in the water. And he's like, what the hell? I, I, I needed that for light. But once the light is gone, he looks up and realizes because there was a light source present up until now, he's been stopping the bioluminescent plants from really activating sorry and he looks up and the entire forest is just glowing with this beautiful blue and purple and green light Mm -hmm. mixture and then the space jellies and then yeah those little floating space jellyfish butterfly things i look at that and i'm like i'm sorry this is not in Pocahontas or Dance with the Wolves and not really even in Ferngully. Ferngully is clearly the, the one that tried to get closest to this concept. But Avatar went so much 
farther with this. Mm-hmm. Like the look of Pandora is a beautiful sight to behold. I I do wonder how many people who come out of Avatar and say that movie sucks because it's similar to other movies. How many of you saw it on the big screen? How many of you saw it in IMAX? How many of you saw it IMAX 3D? If you're not seeing the Avatar movies on IMAX... Bare minimum IMAX. You're not seeing it the way that it should be seen. Yeah. Like, if you're waiting for this to come out on home video... You're doing yourself a disservice. Like, Please do not wait until it hits yeah, streaming. If, if you're waiting for it to hit streaming so that you can watch it on TV because you have a nice 55-inch TV, no, you don't. You A home theater is not a theater. Like, you don't have the same experience. And the best home theater I've ever been in there was nowhere in my brain stopping me from pulling out my cell phone. When I'm in a theater, my cell phone is not just in my pocket. It's on do not disturb. Like, it's on, like, mm-hmm. don't tell me anything because I'm here watching a movie right now. If you're not watching Avatar in the theater, you're not focused. It does not have your complete and undivided ten- attention. If you're the sort of person who goes to a theater... And you're not giving the movie your undivided attention, uh, you should get out of the theater because someone nearby deserves to fight you and beat you. <laughs> um, this is coming from a man who's tried to get into fights at theaters before. Um, but yeah, like, um, I feel like there's a right way and a wrong way to see this movie, at least for the first time. I'm not saying, like, once it's out of theaters, you're not allowed to watch it on. Um, on TV anymore but yeah it's it's such a beautiful film and if you let it be the piece of art that it is then hopefully you'll you'll enjoy it to the same extent that I do um, and if you need pointers on how to enjoy mm-hmm. the Avatar movies listen to this podcast listen to this podcast come watch um, it with us if, we will yeah. we will show you all of the mm-hmm. things if you only have access to it on some form of streaming, that sucks. But if you have it on DVD, if you have it on iTunes, if you have it on anything like that, right now I would not be surprised if Avatar 1 goes on sale on iTunes very, very soon. It's probably going to cost about 10 bucks or so. I would say it's definitely worth the money. And if you have access to it, either DVD or you own the digital copy... Please give the frickin' special features a look through. Just glance through those behind-the-scenes stuff. Because everyone who worked on this, from what I can see, they came in every day and gave it their all. They worked so hard on their craft. Uh, At this point, I'm still one of the very few people I know that still has never been to the Pandora aerial area, sorry, the Pandora area of Disney World in uh, Animal Kingdom. So many people I know, so many people I know who hate Avatar have been there and they're like, yeah, I I don't really like Avatar, but uh, yeah, that Pandora area on uh, Animal Kingdom, that's pretty neat. 
I would kill to go see that place. They recreated the floating mountains, the Hallelujah Mountains. Um, so much of that. Like, I've had people describe, like, the more boring aspects of that area to me. And they still sound like things that would just bring me to tears to see in person. I would love to go see it. I would love to go see that. I would love... And I would say the same way uh, I feel like the proper way to see the Avatar movies is on the big screen. I kind of hope my first time seeing the Pandora area is after sundown because i've heard at night they light that bitch up someday we're gonna get there someday 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 someday. um but yeah it's it's so good and if you're not a huge fan of avatar revisit it revisit it and don't let a lack of ludicrously original storytelling be the reason why you write this movie off. Give it another chance. Look at all the aspects other than the narrative. Like, I... The, Even the narrative isn't that bad. The like, narrative's not that bad. I I do remember a lot of people saying that, like, a lot of the acting was subpar. We just revisited this this past week. I don't see it. I think the only character that has lines that are kind of eh... Is the general. Is the general. Yeah. And they're not terrible they're they're pretty cheesy lines come to papa and uh bugs here will eat your eyes for jujubes and uh, you know there's some there's some garbage lines it's not enough for me to suddenly go wait what did he say this movie is now bad yeah there's so many moving parts here and every one of them is well-oiled and doing its job just fine that when things aren't, you know, firing on all cylinders as much as you may want, look away and focus on every other aspect on screen right now. There are so many shots in that movie that gave me chills over my whole body. Yeah. How many movies can do that? Yeah. Not many. It's epic in a way that's not just we went bigger than last time. It's they write a good story to back to back up their their plot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a moment when it kind of seems like all is lost during the final battle. And then they get reinforcements. And it's not just from all the people they asked for. It's clearly reinforcements kind of being sent f- from their deity. From Awa. From, from Awa. It's, it's a really, really amazing moment because it comes at a time where the script has sort of told you, even though Awa exists and, and they do truly believe in the existence of Awa, everything tangible is already there. Like, all mm-hmm. the clans they asked for help from are there. It's not like, oh, those people who said we won't support you, they had a change of heart or something. Um, it's the animals. Yeah. It's, it's the literal planet. It's literally Pandora. You understand how everything is connected. Like, Sigourney Weaver's 
character mm-hmm. had tried to explain to the general and to the rich guy. I don't remember his name. Yeah. The guy from Friends. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Flight of the Phoenix and... Um, oh, he's he's got a really crazy last name. I think it's like... Yeah. I think there's a G that's making like a J sound. Okay. But... Yeah, I just love it. And I love, I think one of my favorite parts of the movie is as they're communing with Awa and they're all like, their hands are on each other and they're just kind of like swaying and everything is glowing and it's just amazing. Like it makes you believe that Awa really is real mm-hmm. on Pandora, yeah. that Everything has a purpose. Everything has a connection that it's so tangible. Oh, it's beautiful. Guys, please, yeah. please, if you hate this movie, please reconsider. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, as you were talking, it, it reoccurred to me and I would hate myself if I forgot to bring this up. One big reason I think that early on in the movie, people just mentally check out. And I think it's such, it's so easy to look past it or come up with headcanon to, to rewrite it. But um, the concept that the mineral they're after is called unobtainium. I hate that word. Unobtainium is dumb. However, to me, there is a much more official sciencey term for that mineral. It's, it's, you know, uh, cubic, zerclophyte or something however all of the this is a military base we've got a few scientists here and there but the vast majority of people here on pandora are jarheads you've it's just so many marines no one's gonna memorize cubic zirconfermite whatever i just said so they're like, yeah, the, 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 you know, the mineral we're after, the friggin' the thing we can't get, you know, the, <laughs> the, the friggin' unobtainium. That's how the name came about, is someone just nicknamed it unobtainium because of how hard it is to find this shit. And the name stuck, and now, even some of the scientists have found themselves, like, just referring to it with its its nickname like um if i were to take two graham crackers and roast a marshmallow i put it between those two and i put some some hershey's chocolate in there what have i just made a s'more a s'more do you know why it's called a s'more because when you eat it you want some more let's call it a s'more well no when you when you ask for some more you you have a mouth full of melted marshmallow so you can't even form the word right you say s'more can i have s'more so let's just call it s'more. Ha 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 ha. If I wanted to make a more technical term for a s'more, I could say a uh, graham cracker cookie sandwich with um, a marshy, I don't know. What a the marshy. Cons- yeah. Um, <laughs> but with the, the innards of, Something fancy. of chocolate and yada yada yada. I'm sure yada, someone yeah. on Food Network could come up with a name. Exactly. Someone on Food Network could call it something more fancy but no one wants to memorize a more fancy term so we're gonna keep calling it s'more you know what i'm talking about so why come up with a fancier term 
if I'm a military soldier and I call it unobtainium and you've already heard the unobtainium joke, so you know what I'm talking about, why would either of us correct the other and be like, actually, it's called cubic zerflomferdeburite. We wouldn't. We would just be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. This unobtainium, we collected another four carts today. <laughs> we got another three barrels. Um, yeah, so if if you're really getting your panties in a bunch because they called a rock, a fictitious rock, unobtainium, okay. It, I message us on Instagram and be like, I'm one of the people that doesn't like that they call it unobtainium. Then you have to tell me what your biggest fandom is, and I'm going to point out the dumbest part of that fandom. If you love the Force, the fact that we call the magic part of this universe, we just stopped at calling it the Force, that's the least amount of creativity that's ever gone into a term ever. Okay? Do I love it? Yes, I do. But I recognize this wasn't exactly written by Shakespeare kids. So, maybe pull James Cameron out of the guillotine for writing unobtainium on a piece of paper. I will never put James Cameron in a guillotine. Exactly. Thank you. Um, So, yeah. uh, So, I I think I've I've pretty much (laughs) said my piece on Avatar. I... um, Thank you for warning me that I had a lot to say. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. W- two more things. Okay. Real quick. Um, I remember, so like I said earlier, my dad and I went to the midnight showing of the first movie mm-hmm. when it first came out. And I remember on the way home just being like, that movie was dope. Like, that was so epic and cool and amazing. Like, I can't believe what I just saw. And I remember just thinking, that movie was so, so cool. And then my dad said something that was like, it echoed through my brain for days, for months, for years. It's For the past 13 years. For the past 13 years. It's just echoed in my brain. We're on the way home. He's driving. And he just suddenly went, you know, I think there's a very real chance we just saw your generation's Star Wars. And I remember just like, what? Because <laughs> to a lot of people, I feel like you hear your generation's is Star Wars. And you would think, oh, the, the when you were a kid, that really neat sci-fi adventure movie that came out to me i was like star wars like that movie that for years everyone was talking about and then tons of movies came out either referencing it parodying it or just trying to replicate it unsuccessfully Mm -hmm. and just thinking like was this did i just see the star wars of my time that's just gonna not even have like a ripple effect, but like a tsunami effect. It's just going to wave over the earth in this incredible way. And it's just going to change lives. And then eventually they're going to release sequels and people are going to lose their shit over the sequels. And I was so heartbroken when they couldn't immediately 
start making sequels. Mm-hmm. But as of tonight, that's about to fucking change. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. The other thing that I'd like to uh, share with the group, this is, it's so dorky of me. It's so nerdy of me. It's so lame of me. And to this day, I'm 30 years old now. This happened to me when I was 16, maybe 17. I'm, I, I think it was December of my senior year, so I was probably 17. But it, I still look back on it and I'm like, dude, I hope my nerdy side never stops being that fucking adorable. I, I to this day, I'm still driving the Prius I got as soon as I got my license. I've been driving that baby girl for more than coming up on half my life. He loves that car more than he loves me. I love her to death. Her name is Serenity. If if you know what that name is from, good. If you don't, fix your life. Um, but if any of you guys have ever driven a Prius, ever ridden in a Prius, you'll know that it's not like a you put the key in, you turn it. It's a little brick key fob, and you actually have to insert it into this little slot. And then you can hit the power button. But it's not a proximity key. It's not just it has to be somewhere in the vehicle. You have to plug it in and then hit power. And I remember the morning after I saw Avatar, I sat in my car. I'm getting ready to go to school. I take out my key. And as I insert it into that little slot, I whispered to myself, make the bond. <laughs> and honestly, like... I. When my dad said this could be your generation's Star Wars, I suddenly started looking at my car like it was my Banshee. Like I had a soul connection to this vehicle. And it's one of those reasons why all my friends would always be like, oh, yeah, I just got my first car. It's a total piece of shit. And like every time I watch a movie where people are like, oh, yeah, I drive a piece of shit. Like it's a broken down old blah, blah, blah. For me, my car is breaking down she's got i mean a, she's old she's old and to me she's still my fucking banshee she is still the only vehicle i would ever want to ride into a battle with like i love that car and it's because about a year after i got her a movie came along that was like this is how you should view the thing that gets you from point A to point B. This is how you should treat your ride. And I was like, you're right. Okay. And it's affected so much of my life. Like, I love this movie. And in an hour and 45 minutes, The Way of Water starts. And I'm so fucking excited. I'm I, For any of you guys who cannot deal with language... I'm sorry. I've been letting them loose this episode, but oh my gosh, I'm so jacked for this movie. The first time we saw that trailer, it was attached to Top Gun Maverick. I told you a couple days ago, I am kind of worried because I adored Top Gun Maverick. I thought Top Gun Maverick was so well done. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I think 16 days before the end of the year, the spot for best movie of 2022 
the most epic, amazing, dope as shit thing to hit theaters in 2022 is going to be snatched away from Top Gun Maverick without hesitation or remorse. But how great is it that we're getting these amazing movies finally? Right? We just went through a two-year, three-year mm-hmm. pandemic, however long it was. Like, we waited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our waiting has finally paid off. Yeah. Thank you, 2022, for finally bringing us some good-ass movies. Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, I'm so excited for this. The first time I saw that trailer attached to Top Gun Maverick, Chills. I, I cried. I got very, very teary-eyed. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, just, it, we don't have too much more time, but real quick, just going through what we're going to see in this new one before I know what it is, you know, still just like going in like, what's it going to be? Um, I know. Okay. So this is, I guess, spoilers for people who haven't seen the new one yet, but this isn't coming out until tomorrow. So the movie's out, go see it. Um, But uh, apparently Sigourney Weaver is going to have a role in this. I don't think she's reprising the role of Grace, but apparently she's in it. And I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen the character she's playing is in that first trailer. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, Stephen Lang, the guy who played the general in the first movie, mm-hmm. he dies at the end. He's an avatar in this one. He has a, a blue avatar body in this. How are they bringing him back? I don't know. Um, Kate Winslet is in this. Is it Kate Winslet? Yeah. Okay, Kate Winslet is in this. <laughs> he what? always mixes up Kate Winslet and Kate Blanchett. I do, I do. I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, so Kate Winslet's in this. What is she doing? What is, huh, I don't know. Um, Jake Sully has dreadlocks. That's not even really a plot point. It's just, it looks so neat. Um, <laughs> uh, they have a family. They have a family. They're live. Are they living underwater? I don't know. Are they just living next to the water? I don't know. There's that one dude that's like blowing a horn and he turns and stuff and like he's got. Maybe they had to learn how to live in the water after they lost tree, not tree house. <laughs> Home tree. Home you were tree. so close. <laughs> you were so close, but you swapped the words and chose a synonym and went so much dorkier than home tree. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, maybe they had to relocate because, yeah, they, they pretty much set up camp next to the, the spirit tree at the end of the first one. But you can't live there permanently. No, that's not um, really a shelter. Yeah, but that one dude with the horn that turns and stuff, you look at his skin and it like looks like it's covered in... Uh, tattoos or something mm-hmm. are those tattoos or is that just his natural skin design i don't maybe know maybe that's what happens to avatar skin when you live in water <gasps> Ooh. um yeah i'm so excited to find out that um we will be doing an episode on yeah. avatar 2 yeah uh pretty much tomorrow i think like we're seeing it tonight then tomorrow after work we're sitting down recording that so we're gonna have pretty much back-to-back episodes um Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. We're so Um, excited. We're so excited. We're so excited. Um, Also, uh, completely unrelated, kind of, uh, apparently we're getting our first uh, big deal sneak peek at the new uh, Mission Impossible attached to this. So I'm psyched for that. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, Cassie and Ryan are listening to this episode, but 
they were there present when I saw the last Mission Impossible in theaters. <laughs> I... Cassidy, I hope you remember the sound that escaped Dallas's lips. No one does. Um, I can't recreate it. But that <laughs> Mission, Impo- Mission Impossible Fallout mentally broke me. It's amazing, and I love it, and wow. So I'm hyped for the next one. Um, anything else? No. I'm no? not going to let Dallas have any more caffeine tonight because he is already Guys, I don't bouncing have caffeine off the in fucking walls. I don't have caffeine in my system. This is my natural high because of my love of movies. Get on my level, bitches. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, we love you guys. Oh, Thanks one character listening. I hope they bring back. I don't think they will, but Michelle Rodriguez is dope. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think she died, didn't she? She did. So but did I mean, Grace so, and did, so did yeah. the general. Like, Who yeah. knows? Maybe AWA like, resurrected the yeah. people. And If there's a way to bring back Michelle Rodriguez, please do. Michelle Rodriguez was badass in that first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like there was something. I As I was talking, I was like, oh, mention that. But I forgot it now. So, yeah. Um, this has been a long episode, and I don't think there's even going to be that much that I cut out. Because I've been talking fast so. and we we don't have a single dog here to interrupt us. So That's true. This is just going to be a long episode. I'm sorry. But long by like 10 minutes. It's not a Lord of the Rings episode. Shut up. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public. Um, give us a like. Uh, hit subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your buddies. Slide into our DMs. Slide into our DMs in a creepy way. Um, what's the next uh, series of movies you want us to listen to? Uh, we're currently making our way through Terminator and we're almost done. So we need our next project. Um, we've got an Instagram. It's the.rail.couple. Uh, like us on there, subscribe on there, yada, yada, yada. Uh, who do you want to meet? You said James Cameron, James Cameron. That's a great answer. Who do I want to meet? Um, shoot earlier today. I had a great idea. Um, have I already said Chris Evans? I did. I feel like you I, need to say Lauren Graham or Amy Sherman Palladino with how fast you've been talking today. Do I? <laughs> Do you want to take my James Cameron and I will say Amy Sherman Palladino? I'll say Amy Sherman Palladino. I'm not that big of a fan of the stuff she's done, but... I will gift you James Cameron and I will say ASP. Okay. We Well, okay here's here's another like caveat to this whole concept of who do you want to meet neither of us get to meet our person alone oh like if if all of a sudden maggie smith calls up and she's like i would love to have dinner with you i'm definitely gonna be like okay my wife is coming with us like whoa i get to be in the room when you meet maggie smith yeah i yeah wait did you think that like you were just going to be like, okay, bye, hon. I'll be back later. Going to go hang out with Terry Crews for a while. I mean, I know that I stand no chance against Maggie Smith, so. I've met Terry Crews. Yes, you and have. And I would not want you spending an evening alone with Terry Crews. I would not be down with that. <laughs> I've shook the man's hand. Like... I can't compete with the man's hand. (laughs) I at least want to be in the room when I lose the fight. (laughs) Okay. We digress. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, We love you all. We love you all. We love Avatar. 
Uh, we love my car. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day yeah. or night or weekend or whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, revisit Avatar and let us know what you think. And then go see Avatar 2, The Way of Water. And let us know what you think. And we will have already let you know what we think. I think that's everything. Yeah. Um, good night and good luck and stay cool and stay classy. Bye. And bye.